future which is already here ready here ready here ready here meet today's future which is about to happen and tomorrow's future which could be just minutes away welcome to technology revolution the future of now where host bonnie d graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Future of now is here. This is my prediction special crystal ball 2022 special third week. Oh my goodness, we're heading into 2022. I don't know if anybody's ready, but my guests are helping us figure out what's happening in the world of business and technology. So happy to be here. We're dedicating this show to one of my very special SAP Game Changers radio series. I'm thrilled to say that Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We have two of the sponsors here with us today. We'll be renewing for season 11 in 2022. We don't talk, I have to, to our global listeners, thank you for supporting that series as well as this. Thank you for listening. But we don't talk about your checkbook or where to get cheap gas on that show. We talk about the office of the CFO. We talk about finance. We talk about business leaders engaging with the finance team, which is a very important part of the C-suite. And the CFO and his or her team, their team being stewards of the business, using technology, using all kinds of strategies to help lead the business, not just, oh, we're in the basement looking at some spreadsheets and we got the eye shades. We left that behind years ago. So there you go. So we're dedicating today's show to talking about the future of financial excellence, whatever that means to you. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, happy to be here, live, live group and lively, I must say. And let me just give you my overview, my introduction, and then we'll get started with guest introduction. So I have three buzz quotes for you. They're movie quotes. Listen up. See if you remember these. I have a quote from Margot Channing, played by Betty Davis. The movie, All About Eve, 1950 drama film. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy night. Well, could have said that yesterday or today or last year, right? Quote number two, what are we going to do? The question isn't what are we going to do? The question is what aren't we going to do? That was Sloan played by Mia Sarah, talking to Ferris, played by Matthew Broderick. Of course, the movie, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 1986 teen comedy film. I never understood teen comedy. I just think it's a movie for the ages about taking the day off and breaking the fourth wall, but that's me. Third quote, we hear this a lot. Dory, the short-term memory blue tang, voiced by Ellen DeGeneres in the animated film Finding Nemo, 2003, was it really that long ago? Just keep swimming, 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 just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. A lot of my guests use that on my shows. So I have a question for all of my panelists, and you can just wave. And by the way, everybody wave hello to LinkedIn, wave hello to Facebook. We're live streaming. Birgit, we got to do that for your show and press next year. Here's my question. Could you have predicted in 1950, well, some of you weren't alive then. I'll say most of us weren't alive then, but just pretend that we'd still be quoting Betty Davis in the movie All About today 71 years later well if you weren't alive you wouldn't know but ferris bueller 35 years ago and we're still quoting and dory that movie was 18 years ago talking about predictions if you're hoping i'm talking to our global audience if you're hoping to gaze into a crystal ball to see what 2022 holds for your company your industry or the world we've got the next best thing Starting three weeks ago and continuing all the way through the month of January 2022, I'm bringing you more than 60, 60 experts, visionaries, predictors from a range of disciplines talking about the exciting technology strategies and trends.
things that can help you grow and your business grow and compete better in 2022 and beyond. Today is December 15th, 2021. Oh my goodness, how many days left till the end of the year? 16. If you don't have something wonderful to drink on New Year's Eve 2021, get thee to a, an online store or get that still going in the backyard. Brew your whiskey. Or if you want Kahlua, put it in the sink in the in the garage because there's not much time left. Today, we have nine visionaries. Actually, we have eight. Two of them are not with us in person, but they have graciously sent me their predictions and I will read them on the air. So pour a cup of joe. A cup of Earl. I added Bailey to the list this year, Birgit, because I got a bottle of Bailey's in the fridge, and it's my little morning. Whoops. There we go. Join us for a technology revolution, the future of now, 2022. Crystal Ball Predictions, Part 3 Live. And I will say to everybody, we're just going to have to get together and help make 22 a so much better year. So let's get started. Birgit Starmans is going to be up first. Birgit is the SAP Global Head of the Office. Wave hello, Birgit. Office of the CFO Center of Excellence, Thought Leadership Strategy and Programs for Finance and Risk. A business card is not big enough for that title, Birgit. And welcome. And that she's the co-sponsor of that series. Pras Chatterjee is with us. We just did a live show yesterday, Pras. So happy to have you back. He's a Senior Director of Product Marketing for Planning and Analysis at SAP, focusing on SAP Analytics Cloud and SAP BPC. Welcome back, Pross. Keon J. Williams is with us. Keon, where's the hat? I love that hat. He had a fabulous hat on a few minutes ago. He's the founder and managing director of CLASS, C-L-A-S-S, all caps, dash LLC, a professional services firm specializing in corporate governance, enterprise risk, and cybersecurity program management for global companies. Keon, every company is global today, isn't it? How can you even okay. avoid it with what we used to call the supply chain? I know. Uh, Brian Kalish is with us. Hello, Brian. You can wave hello. Brian is principal at what else? Kalish Consulting, a consulting and advisory practice. He's also an expert in residence, EIR at eCapital Advisors. Welcome, Brian. We have Kang Lim. Hello, Kang. Wave, wave hello. Kang is K-E-N-G, just if you're looking for him, the founder and CEO of Next Labs Inc., a leading provider of data-centric security software. We don't have with us today Tiago Bala. He's an SAP Digital Transformation Leader with Deloitte. He has a family emergency, but I'm reading his predictions. And we have Simon J. Might. Simon, wave hello. Simon is ready to go. He's in front of the screen. He's got his headset on. There was music in the background. He's got a staff of 100 people supporting him being on. It's always a party when Simon is on. Simon is Associate <laughs> Director of Strategy at Take About EY. He's the co-founder of EY Carbon, and he's a representative of the International Economic Council. Simon and and crew, I don't know how many people you have with you there today. They can actually come. Benedict can come on and take a bow. I saw it before. And we have in the wings, she can't join us in person, but I'm reading her predictions, Anne-Marie Colombo. And she is a cybersecurity solution advisor in the SAP North America CIO office. Welcome, everyone. I'm so honored to have you here. So let's get the party started. Birgit Starmans, you're up first. Go ahead. Take about four minutes for your predictions. What do you see in the crystal ball, Birgit? Go ahead. Awesome. I should have gotten my crystal ball out just for <laughs> dramatic effect here. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to hit on a couple of topics that I know I've talked about on your show, Bonnie, with Financial Excellence with Game Changers, but I, I definitely see a lot of momentum. So I'm going to talk about artificial intelligence first, because whenever I talk about artificial intelligence, there's always a lot of interest and there's a lot of fear. And what I see happening going forward is that we're going to be focusing more on explainability. Because one of the reasons that everyone is a little bit fearful of AI 
as they're afraid of their jobs, they're afraid of the machine is going to make some kind of a decision without them, uh, that they don't understand what happens. So as we get more into AI, we are able to actually figure out why is it making certain recommendations. And so I, I would see that AI is not only just going to make decisions and take action, but we're going to see why. So for example, if I'm doing a line item operational task like receivables, why am I clearing this item? Because of reason A, because of reason X and Y. Um, so we'll understand that. Also, when it comes to the more predictive scenarios, why am I making certain recommendations? I can tell it to say, well, focus on revenue or focus on operating margin focus on DSO. So really understanding why that happens. And there'll be more of a comfort factor. And I'm not trying to say that AI is going to make all the decisions. I would say on a transactional level, I'm going to write off an open item. That's fine. But always, um, I think I mentioned this on your show, Bonnie, uh, I was speaking with an executive and he said, in his view, machines work and people think. And that's really the most important part is that we're going to get these recommendations, especially for strategic decisions. Um, but we want to know why those recommendations were made. So the explainability in AI is a big one there. Mm -hmm. uh, finance is part of the value chain. And we've talked about this for a long time, that finance does not just report backwards looking. And Bonnie, you mentioned this in your introduction. It's not just in the back office and we're scribbling some kind of reports, but really looking at some of the ways that finance can help optimize the value chain. And we talk about finance a lot on either the transactional level or at the mega level. All right, I'm going to go and do a merger and acquisition. Which company should I purchase? Or should I develop the product myself? Or should I just partner up? And I think we're missing a layer in between where, for example, something like, well, how am I going to optimize this production line? Should I create a new production line? How, how do I switch about the, the different products that I put on the same line? And what are the financial implications of that? So I think really getting down into that, not just the, the transactional, not just the really super high level strategic, but really putting finance more into that middle tier of trying to optimize things as they work more with their counterparts in supply chain, in sales and human resources. And then, of course, you knew I was going to talk about change management, because I always talk about change management. And at the, at the beginning of the pandemic, we didn't really know what we could expect. I mean, I think nobody had planned for, oh, everybody's going to be working from home two weeks before the end of a quarter. I don't think anybody was going to realize that that was going to happen. So I think in terms of change management, we've seen that it's important. And it's important to have change management plans in place before we have a project. Because we're seeing right now that a lot of companies are saying, okay, well, I'm going to start a technology transformation project. I need a change management plan. But we're seeing now proactively, maybe we should go to extremes when we plan these things. And I was just speaking with someone yesterday that yeah, in terms of finance, well, what do we do at disaster recovery? What if there's a hurricane? What if there's a fire? Do we have enough money to deal with that? How do we disperse that money? What kind of resources do we need? Financial, personnel, supplies, et cetera. So really taking change management to the next level of incorporating it into risk planning and also looking at change management to let's just plan for the extreme and hopefully it won't happen. It's just like insurance. You know, it, it's better to be overinsured than underinsured and just hope that you don't need it. And I'm going to sneak in a really tiny one because we're seeing Broadway theater come back. And I know Christmas markets are canceled this year in Germany. So I predict by next year, we're going to have Christmas markets again, and we're going to have art and wine festivals back in California. 
and won't that be a wonderful thing? Thank you. And by the way, talking about planning on the show we did, your series yesterday, Pras was one of my three panelist guests, and I came up with the idea of chaos planning. I'm sure I'm not an original on that, but instead of just planning, planning, plan for not just worst case, plan for chaos, because that's what we've been dealing with. So anyway, I try to say something smart on every show. It remains to be seen for today, Brian and Kang, like that. Let's go, Birgit. Thank you. I'm going to wait for comments if we have time at the end. I want to make sure we get time for everybody. Press. You're up next. Let's hear it. What are your predictions, please? Three, whatever you can fit into three and a half minutes. Press, you're up. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, so I've got a couple of predictions that I will fit into three and a half minutes. Uh, one will state the obvious, one will be kind of boring, and one I'm going to go out on a limb. So let's state the obvious, <laughs> which is just obvious to me. But I think, honestly, in 2022 and forward, uh, we talked a bit about this yesterday, cryptocurrency and the way finance has to handle and management is going to be a little bit more front and center. Um, I know, you know, I think I brought up the stat with you, one in five Americans as of a couple of months ago had cryptocurrency. I think that number is growing, whether it's it's, you know, valued lower or not, who cares? I mean, that number is com- constantly growing. It's going to grow in 2022, which means that the audience, um, the customers, uh, organizations, banks or whatnot are going to have to understand how to handle this, which means that ultimately, I think finance is going to learn, have to learn how to manage it and really predict on it and really budget and forecast on it. So I think that's something that will come into their uh, mainstay and how they go about things. The next piece of this, I think that's going to be a little bit more prevalent, but I've never really touched on why, but is the whole XPNA angle. XPNA is extended planning analysis where finance basically focuses on traditionally planning, you know, from the CFO, but we know everybody plans marketing, sales, I plan, you plan, we're all planning. So bringing those plans together, that's kind of the boring answer, we know that. But I think it's going to become a little bit more easier and a lot more prevalent going forward because We've been home for the last couple of years. I think in the office in the past, uh, in the past, there might have been emotional barriers in terms of why people might not have gotten together or knocked on other people's doors. But being on Zoom, being on Teams, it's so easy. We're all numbers and we're all clicking on each other, contacting each other. I think we've made more contacts you know, maybe on our role, uh, electronic Rolodex. And because of that, when we finally get back to the office, we're going to have these relationships beyond finance with HR and IT and supply chains. And we're going to be able to bring those plans together. And organizations are going to be that much more clear in terms of how they budget, how they forecast, and bringing all that information. And the last piece of this that my colleague Chris Chan actually thought of, so I have to, I have to give him credit for this, is, and this is really going out on a limb, is quantum computing. Quantum computing is slowly coming where, you know, you're putting like algorithms and everything into these chips and uh, effectively um, putting brainwave type stuff and having artificial intelligence in there. Imagine quantum computing, which companies like Google and Intel and IBM are investing in, and it's coming, you know, it becomes more and more prevalent. Imagine finance being able to program everything in there and being able to put extended planning and analysis in there and really having machine you know, taking AI to that next level. It might not be there in 2022 early, but I think slowly and as we get into later and later in 2022, we'll start hearing a lot more about it. And maybe that'll help the Office of Finance make better and brighter decisions. So those are my predictions, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Pras. Very, very interesting. By the way, we were going to have Keon Williams next, and he had an audio crash, and he had to drop. So I don't have a phone number for him, Aaron. I wish we could get him back on the phone. But if I find one, I'll, I'll send it to you in the chat. Thank you, Pras. Which one was your – did you say there was one of your predictions that was boring, Pras? Did you – well, the, the whole extended planning analysis and the accounting for crypto. I mean, accounting and planning aren't really 
that exciting, right? I don't think Brian would agree with that, but we'll get to Brian. <laughs> We'll get to that in a minute. Brian will rebuke me. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to skip Keon. He didn't send predictions. And somebody from uh, Delaware Consulting is a no-show. We're sorry you couldn't join us. Well, speaking of Brian Kalish, you're next, my friend. So Brian Kalish, welcome. And take your time. We got plenty of time. It's only 19 (laughs) minutes after. So go go ahead, Brian. You're putting your up. Take four minutes. We'll do an extra round of predictions at the end. Brian, welcome. How have you been? I've been very well, thank you. So yeah, we, we have different ways of looking at things. Again, thank you so much for the invite. I, I love the show. I love being part of it. I love seeing familiar faces and, and meeting new faces. So it's it's always great. You know, end of year is always a fantastic time to think about. You know, we were I was in Minneapolis last week and one of the, the, the questions that we asked for, to the group, it's a round table. It's like, what did you learn in 21 and what are you looking forward to or, what, or what's your wish in 22? So this is so perfect. So I'm gonna, I'll have a couple predictions. I'm going to take a big leap right here and say my first prediction is that 2022 will be better than 2021. Um, and so I, I think we're looking forward to a, to a better year. I think I'm setting the bar pretty low, but, um, you know, I, I think, and, and that's kind of the setup my, for my, my second thought, which is I think one of the challenges that we've been facing is the fact that this situation has been lasted longer than any of us would have predicted 22 months ago. And so, you know, we're still in the point where we're thinking, well, maybe we're going to start doing things live, you know, in the first half of, of 22, which we would have thought certainly by the second half of 21. So one of the things is that, that we've learned is this has lasted a lot longer. I think it's had a much greater impact just really at a macro level. I mean, if some things are transitory, I would say more like what we're seeing in supply chain and with inflation, but some things I think are truly been systemic. So something like what's happened in the labor force. I mean, here in the United States, I believe if it's not three out of the last four months, it's actually four out of the last four months, or four million people have left the workforce. And so I think that's gonna be one of the things as we look forward, how and what are the expectations for people, for the work experience, for labor, for finding good talent. Um, but as, as Prez was saying, kind of getting back to kind of the, the, the blocking and tackling of, of, of what we see in finance, you know, for me, you know, the, the big one is still what we're seeing in data analytics, certainly what we see in forecasting and what we've learned. Um, again, you were talking about, you know, the, the, the chaos scenario, obviously planning uh, scenario planning is becoming more and more important. And then if we have time, just touching on, on, on finance business partnering, you know, so, so one of the things I think is interesting when we think about data, um, you know, there's so many different ways we talk about data. And one of the questions that I pose to people that whether it's from a teaching perspective or from a consulting perspective is, is data is the new what to you. And to me, data is the new water. And I say it's water because, you know, the most effective data we have is clean data. And like water, data needs to be accessible, it needs to be clean, and it needs, uh, and it's needed to survive. And so when we think about data, why it's important is because businesses are asking to basically, you know, be able to operate in the, in the what we call speed to insight or uh, speed of, of thought or, you know, uh, the speed of business. I mean, it's interesting, uh, CEO at a Fortune 1000 company that I work with has an aspiration. And that's that the organization is able to pivot or to react within 90 seconds of any event occurring. And that sounds extraordinary, but you think about it, and again, from an aspirational standpoint, that's what the market does, right? When a piece of news comes out about a company, the market, whether it's positive or negative, responds within 90 seconds. So I think from a data analytics perspective, that's what we're really thinking about. 
And if we think about just the, the value uh, that data has, uh, the potential is just so great. I mean, Gardner states about 80% of all data is dark and about 94% of, of, um, of unstructured data is dark. And when we say dark, it's either you have it and you're not doing anything with it, or you um, uh, uh, aren't even aware that you have it. So I think that's one of the things that's really gonna change. And, and the way that we're able to, to access data is very different as, as, as we move forward in time. Um, forecasting continues to be incredibly important. You know, I kind of say, you know, we've been we've been forecasting in the fog. The, the challenge is the fog is just continued to go on and on and on. And so the way that we're forecasting is going to be different than we did what I call BC before COVID. Um, but we need to leverage our tools, our people, our processes. And then from a business uh, partnering perspective, I think one of the things that we really have to think about is, um, you know, how do we move finance from thinking as a cost to a value? And I think Bergen was talking about the value chain and really getting the organization to think about instead of how do I minimize cost? How do I maximize value? So I think those are some of the things that we're going to see in 22. Thank you, Brian. And very interesting. You said that the the new value is is water data is repeat that statement because I want to comment on it. But I, we're trying to reach Keon and, and we can't reach him. So go ahead, Brian, repeat that statement because I want to comment on it, please. So data is the new water. Thank you. Now, a lot of people have been saying for years data is the new oil. And I heard another interpretation of that oil. How many times can you reuse oil? Oil gets used, it gets dirty, it gets contaminated, right? So when people say data is the new oil, I've heard it said no, because data can be used and used and used, interpreted, analyzed, used as a resource. It goes into sometimes swamps and pools and rivers and oceans and streams. And sometimes it's old and nasty and sometimes it's new and fresh. And sometimes you want to go dig it up again, but it needs to be clean. And your point, Brian, about Data is the new water. Water is clean, mostly, and it's refreshable. So I liked what you said. Thank you. That was that was a new one for me. Thank you so much. Let's move around the table. Let's see what we have. Well, King Lim, you're up next. And Simon, I'm giving you a heads up. You're after King, and then we're gonna. I'm gonna read from. Uh, I have predictions from three people who were not able to join us, and then we'll do some holiday predictions. Kang, you're up. Welcome. Good. Hello. So I'm going to start with some fun one first. I'll end up with some scary one. How's that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. So I got five. So I think the first one is a fun one, which is a flying car. So I think we're going to start to see, you know, flying car. So people can, you know, be able to, uh, you know, do, you know, driving and be able to fly. And the car will turn into a pretty much a flying car uh, to allow them to, you know, move from one place to another place easily. The challenge will be regulatory. So what's going to happen and it's going to create a lot more interesting complexity on traffic and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I do think that we're going to start to hear more and start to see flying cars. So that's a fun one. Um, number two is um, a virtual campus. You know, company is going to become increasingly more virtuals. Uh, I'm going to predict that more than 50% of the startup it's going to be virtual and it's going to be cross-border from day one. Uh, because of the whole virtual economy, because of the virtual workforce, uh, you know, team are able to, you know, cross-border and be able to get together and form new companies. So we're going to see a whole new, you know, type of uh, new concept, new ideas, you know, cross-border talents come together. I think that'll be quite interesting in terms of, 
you know, that's going to change the dynamic of the startup economy, I think. Um, you know, so that's number two. Um, you know, virtual company, global from day one. And uh, uh, prediction number three is a boring one and is, uh, you know, close and uh, dear to what I do is, uh, you know, the zero trust data centric security model will replace the network centric, you know, security model and VPN. So we're not going to be ever going to hear about VPN, you know, trying to log in to, you know, get access to some, you know, application or data where we'll be blocked by VPN. So that's, you know, basically the network will be wide open. You can get anywhere to anywhere and continue to be secure. So that's the key right there. So, um, you know, how do you actually get, you know, make data more available, you know, you know be, make sure that uh, people can get access to, you know, data everywhere and from anywhere. That's the key word. So kind of like what Brian was saying, data is like water. Data flow anywhere, right? Uh, but you need water, you know, you need to be able to get water, you need to be able to get oxygens. So how do you make the data available everywhere and anywhere, right, so when you need them? So, uh, so I think the zero trust data-centric security model will finally become mainstream and it take over what I call the old model of a network-centric and no more VPN. So that's number three. Uh, and number four, I think it's a fun one, which I think is built upon uh, the data as water is uh, you need the water to always stay clean, right? So uh, the challenge is in today when you share data, right, the data get, you know, dirty and the worst is you don't know how to make sure that the data is safe, right? So for example, when I, you know, when I share data with you, how do I make sure that you don't end up doing something bad to the data I share with you? So, you know, I believe that you're going to start to see because of the, all the new technologies emerging, uh, I have this concept I call self-defending data. So when I share the data with somebody, right, I want the data to be actually be smart enough to actually defend itself so that it will stay safe. Um, you know, so I think that'll be critical because today I think it's a big problem. So with the with the open economy, with the virtual communication, you want to be able to share data with anyone freely, right? The challenge is when you share them, you lose control. So you you know you can't keep it safe. So you know so with the self-defending data, so I now can share data freely and keep it safe. And last one is a scary one. So I kind of build upon, I think um, Parat's comment about crypto. So I think we're going to see increased number of crypto bank robbery. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, that's going to happen. So we're going to see a lot of bank robbery of the cryptocurrencies, <laughs> or crypto bank. Better be careful because. You know, the problem is, uh, you know, robbing a bank, you need a gun. <laughs> uh, robbing a crypto bank, you don't, you don't need a gun. You can just rob them. They don't even know sometimes that you have took all the money. So anyway, that's my five predictions. Kang, thank you very much. Uh, when I read Anne-Marie's predictions later, she has one on uh, the, the value or the issues with crypto, and mm-hmm. she has one about zero trust. So I'm not going to comment right yeah. now because I, I want to be able to share those. Thank you very much. Fly, flying car, are, would you yes. take a? Would you take one? Would you drive in one? Ride I in will one? buy one. You buy one? <laughs> yes. How, how many people on the panel would buy a flying car? No, no. 
Simon, okay, Simon, that's a perfect segue, my dear. You're up next. So Simon, who is standing in front of Simon always comes with a whole staff. He's he's ready for prediction mode. He's going to dance across the stage if I ask him politely, and he's going to share his predictions with us. Simon, you are up. Please enlighten us. What do you see for 2022? Thank you, Bonnie. So I would like to focus my predictions mainly on the sustainability space. So what trends do you have to respond to? not only to survive, but uh, to shape a greener, better working world in line also with your customer expectations and building on key technology and data trends. So the consumers are moving towards a more mindful consumption. That is shown by our latest EY Consumer Now study, suggesting that 64% are prepared to actually behave differently and, and that's the important bit, pay more if it benefits society. And that would create a major growth opportunity for consumer-facing companies. So B2C-focused organizations will transform to win to seize that opportunity of changing customer sentiment. To give customers the sustainability products they increasingly want at a price they're willing to pay, the companies will have to answer exactly four strategic questions, of course, impacting the finance organization as well. So how are you changing the culture in your organization so people see sustainability as a way of growing the business, finding efficiencies and creating new value pools, not just costs? Second, how are you balancing the need to track performance on sustainability issues against the need to deliver the broader vision? How are you making your organization more transparent overall so people can see what's behind your products and how you really do business? Fourth, how are you getting more visibility into the behavior of your suppliers and partners and their impact on sustainability issues. Across sectors, I also see a major shift that corporates are moving finally, I have to say, from ambition towards action. So they are moving from ideally science-based target setting towards implementing strategic decarbonization initiatives and measuring the success and impact. The move towards action is particularly important, I think, when we uh, think about deploying and developing new green technologies faster. And that's something that we need to speed up. Decarbonization and digitalization will further cross-pollinate each other and propel the climate transformation. According to our global CEO study, the accelerating technology and innovation trend will have the highest impact on corporations. So I'll let that sink in for a second. Within the next 12 months, the top priorities are, number one, a significant investment in data and technology, and number two, starting new and comprehensive transformation initiatives. This move that I mentioned earlier from corporate climate ambition towards action needs to be enabled by technology and data. 
And there are three key trends that I see in the context of decarbonization to move from now to beyond. First, corporates need to shift from a manual, I call it always snapshot reporting, to automated, integrated, and um, importantly, real-time carbon reporting. Secondly, they need to start applying artificial intelligence, and uh, we've heard that before, that's a bit of a scary one for some people, to shape future scenarios, including internal and external data sources. And also, and that's super important, and that's something we need to overcome in the next year as well, we need to add a price to our carbon emissions, because only then it will be accessible to our strategic thinking, And thirdly, generally moving from scope one and two towards scope three emissions pushes the reporting demands upstream and downstream, requiring cross-sectoral sustainability data sharing platforms. We need scalable infrastructure for viable data markets, and we have an increased need for data security and, of course, as well, trust. Thank you so much. Thank you, Simon. Very interesting. Always the professor. <laughs> You're the only guest on all seven of my weeks of predictions who has a slide behind him with the, with the key points. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I want to run through some predictions from the three guests who either couldn't stick around or aren't with us at all today. So Keon Williams, who was slated to be number three on the panel, had to drop for some technical issues, but he sent me two very, 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 very short predictions. Number one, <laughs> cybersecurity will continue to be a problem. Let's just give that... Okay, I let that sink in. There, he got some. And number two, he says, this is interesting. CEOs and other executives will continue to leave the workforce. That's the great resignation. That's the, used to be a country song, take this job and you know what it. Okay, well, now it's take this job and take this job. And that was, that's, that's about it. Bye-bye. Okay, now let me go to some other predictions here. We have Tiago Bala from... Uh, Deloitte, he had a family emergency, as I mentioned. He had to travel, and I have a couple of predictions from him, and then we'll do Anne Marie's, and we'll go around the table and have some more fun. So, Tiago says, you will see more competitors within the same industry sharing common challenges that are best resolved through the magic word, collaboration. He talks about sharing data through AI models, artificial intelligence applications that collect data and do an analysis or analytics, Number two, AI can unlock the mystery of supply and demand. I'm going to say, oh, if only <laughs> I talk about the supply chain or the not the not supplying supply chain. Can I say that, Pras? The not supplying supply chain? No, nope, I don't. I've heard that before. And number three, he says, anonymized credit data to build an interbank credit risk scoring system. Ah, interbank. Interesting. I hope we can get Tiago back on another show in 2022 to talk about these. His number two prediction is companies will be companies will be using AI emerging techniques to accelerate data analytics, identify anomalies, and detect threats. And here are the sub parts of that. Augmenting security teams with AI models with intelligence. Okay. Leveraging AI to combat cyber threats and cyber attacks. Okay, good use of AI. And listen to this. He says companies will focus more on prevention than remediation. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so you don't want that horse to get out the barn door. You want to make sure it doesn't get out. Thank you to Tiago and wishing you all the best on your, your family who is ill. And now let's go to Anne-Marie Colombo. Again, she is a cybersecurity solution advisor, so we know where she's headed. She says, finance in 2022 will need to focus even more on the importance of supply chain risk management and third-party risk management. She says, software supply chain discussions must take place regarding the building and tracking of components that make up the software that companies use to run their business. And she mentions that U.S. government is leading the way through the National Telecommunications and Information Administration. And there's a link to ntia.gov SBOM. That's number one prediction. Number two, listen up. Blockchain and cryptocurrency. Sarah, I told you she had something on this. Will be used by more people and more companies will be built on them. And she cites Coinbase and Bakkt, B-A-K-K-T, and others. She says, now listen, everybody, this is important. She says, these technologies expand the user's attack surface. Ah, <laughs> so she predicts that we will start to see more attacks against these new technologies. And she says, criminals seem to be leading the way. Oh, my. So expanding your attack surface, that's a, a concept I hadn't heard before, but that's her, her specialty. That's her wheelhouse. And number three, more companies in 2022 will be interested in zero trust architecture and the journey to zero trust. The basic premise for those in the audience who don't know what this is, is never trust, always verify. That applies to even if the person, the device, or the program is already in your network, already known to you. Nobody is trustworthy until you verify. Sorry, kids, that's the way it goes. Companies will start to map out where they are on this, what the gaps are, and what they need to do to address the gaps. It may be a multi-year journey, she predicts, so not just 2022. The good news from Anne-Marie, some of what is already being done can become the building blocks toward a future zero-trust maturity model. Anne-Marie Colombo, thank you so much. So we've got about 17 minutes left. Let me just open this up. Anybody have any comments on predictions that anybody else shared? Uh, Birgit, King, Brian, Pross, Simon, anybody want to comment on zero trust, want to comment on AI, want to comment on cyber attacks, want to comment on the role of the CFO? Birgit, you want to chime in and start this rolling? I know you have some more predictions. (laughs) Simon will be next. Go ahead, Birgit. (laughs) You you guys sparked some of my thought processes, so I actually do have a couple of additional predictions. Um, One one is actually dealing with security, and, and this is pretty funny. Way back when, there was a movie called Sneakers. And there's this whole thing where they're trying to get this guy to say certain words on a date. And it's like, my voice is my passport, verify me. About six months ago, my bank, I had to do that on the phone. And that is now my voice print. I have to say that. I don't actually have to put in any kind of numbers or anything like that. And I think we, we're getting more creative in how we do security, right? So I've got a, a computer here, um, a MacBook, where I have a touch touch thing. So I can just use my finger to unlock it. But of course, that there are always creative ways to get around it, right? There's a commercial where, you know, back when the iPhones were, were um, unlocked with a thumbprint, and her girlfriend's trying, her boyfriend's asleep. She's trying to get to it and she's using every single one of his fingers and it doesn't work. And then he wakes up and goes, ha, 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 and uses his toe print. So, <laughs> but I figure now we're going to have to find a way to uh, make face ID work. You know, maybe somebody's holding it to our face while we're sleeping. That's not good. Well, we, it doesn't work with masks. So I, I see that we're going to keep evolving different ways to get around getting access, but not 
giving access to people that shouldn't have, but only people that should have. I always joke that sometimes with our security, it's easier for a hacker to get in than, than the legitimate person. So, but I think that's going to continue to evolve. The other piece is services. I think we've seen a lot of creativity during the pandemic with different kinds of delivery services. And I feel like companies are getting more creative when it comes to services. Um, I know of one company, they sell house paints and they used to sell a consultation of which paint to use. Now they're partnering up with people and they'll actually come paint your house. So I think instead of just delivery, we're actually seeing more sophisticated kind of scenarios like that. And then going back to finance, finance has to figure out, well, okay, do I have partners on retainer? Is this kind of a long-term contract? How do I pay them? Um, do I, you know, who gets the tip? Do I get part of the tip or does the service person get part of the tip? So finance has to deal with a lot of that. And that goes back to definition of how those business models are being defined. So I see a lot more creativity. And now that I've heard of flying cars, um, and I, I live in Silicon Valley, so I see self-driving cars and people are still encouraged to keep their hands on the wheel. Um, but I want somebody to be working on the, the Star Trek um, beam me someplace so that we don't. <laughs> I mean, we never thought we'd see self-driving cars. I want somebody to be able to beam me someplace, but I don't want to be the guinea pig. So, but I, I see a lot of kind of evolution. Like we've got drones now, so. Mm -hmm. Flying cars is probably not impossible, um, but I'm, I'm thinking transporter beams eventually will not be impossible, but I don't see that for 2022 quite yet. <laughs> Birgit, uh, talking about the cars, I don't know if anybody remembers there was a song about seven little girls sitting in the back seat. I'm really dating myself here. And the line was seven little girls sitting on the back seat and talking to the guy, keep your, keep your mind on your driving, keep your hands on the wheel, keep your goofy eyes on the road ahead. We're having fun sitting in the back seat kissing and a hugging with fred that was the song but keep your hands on the wheel keep your eyes on the road ahead so yes how many people on this panel would would consent if if autonomous driving autonomous cars that self-driving cars were 99.9 percent .9 safe how many of you would agree to be a passenger or cargo as somebody at sap said years ago in a car like that if it is that safe, Ryan, I, keep, I keep going back. I keep going back to what is it? The fifth element where you've got flying cars and you don't just have lanes like that. You've got lanes on top of each other. Jetsons, Jetsons, Jetsons. We're bringing <laughs> it back. Simon, thank you, Brigitte. Simon, you had a couple more predictions or comments. Go ahead, Simon. <laughs> Yeah, maybe just a couple of comments uh, sparked by the discussion about artificial intelligence in terms of interbanking collaboration. Um, what we see in Europe, um, we have the EU taxonomy, so banks will have to um, classify what kind of clients, what kind of their customers, what kind of investments are actually greens, green and which ones are not. And um, we are far away from um, using artificial intelligence. Here is literally uh, the basic work that needs to be done. A lot of data that needs to be processed to actually understand um, which company has which code in which industry and is therefore considered uh, green at the core of their business. That's number one. And um, number two, maybe in terms of um, financing, what we see already happening in Germany and in the, in, in the wider region is um, 
money is a lot more accessible if you're running a green business. Interest rates are lower. And uh, on a European level and a country level, um, there is a lot more incentive schemes being developed at the moment. And uh, uh, I, I know that from a lot of um, clients that we are um, consulting with, of course, they there's nearly too many right now. And a lot of them are still untapped. Thank you very much, Simon. Appreciate that. Brian Kalish has something to say. He told me in a private chat. Brian, you're up. Talk to us. Well, first of all, I mean, I kind of like Bonnie when we have this extra time. So I, I would say maybe sometimes maybe have a, I know there are a lot of people want to give predictions, but I kind of like the smaller group. And then we have the opportunity to kind of, you know, basically spin off each other. And so as I try to comment on a, on a couple of things that I heard, you know, one, one with, with Bergen, when she's talking about the scariness of, of AI and a lot of it, just automation in general. And I think what people have to keep in mind, because what, what I found in my work is that junior people love it, right? Because there's jobs they just never want to do that we've done. Management loves it because we've seen, I think the London School of Economics put out a paper recently that just on automation has an ROI of between 30 and 200% within the first year. So we're seeing where the value is. But to Bergen's point in the middle, it's scary because to her point, she's like, I'm afraid you're going to automate my job away. And so there's two things. One I would say is Gardner has a, had a, a good report out recently that 55%, and I love the fact that we have Zoom so people can see, so I get to use my air quotes and not just say yes. I'm doing air quotes, is that 55% of finance probably can be automated, but only 5% of the people. And so, you know, I think, Bergen, you may have said, you know, it, it's it's the, the machines do the work and the people do the thinking. So I think that's what people have to understand. I would say where people have made mistakes in automation is when they're trying to automate my job away. So they say, okay, we want to automate Brian's job. And that's a fool's errand. What you want to look at is automating the parts of my job that should be automated. And there's many that can be. So that was one of the things that I wanted to comment. Your comment that you were talking about referencing, uh, I didn't have time to look up who the artist is, but take this job and I will say it, shove it, is actually, <laughs> we refer to that, there's an economic report that we refer to, it. it's called the JOLTS report. And to be a total geek, so it's the Jobs Opening and Labor Turnover Report. And basically, as that number goes up and what we've seen over during the great resignation, and I'm talking to people that are starting at new companies, going from very established companies to new companies, because there's great opportunity, because all of a sudden new technology has to come in. Is there, you know, I was saying, oh, this is really great. We were talking about the great net resignation. And she was like, I'm part of that. She's like, the reason I left XYZ company to go to this small pre-revenue company is because I want to do things. And so that's really out there. We have to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. um, I do love, I'm not sure who referenced the, the transporter. I think there was Bergen talking about on technology, the being able to transport from one place to another. I love it. I actually have done a, 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 a presentation on that all technology is actually based on Star Trek. And so the TV show, if you think about it, so think about the, think about the change, right? Go back to that show and look at old episodes. Or So this is mid-60s, right? Think about what the world looked like and the fact that they had communicators. Well, those are our smartphones today. Um, the fact that they had what was called a universal translator. Well, that's just natural language, you know, processing now. The fact that, you know, we talk... You know, we can talk to Siri or we can talk to Alexa. I think the other thing, and, and then I want to give room for other folks, is the fact that technology at our companies has to improve. I mean, I'm of a vintage that uh, when I went to graduate school, I did it at night and I would go into the office because that's where the superior technology was. 
Well, that's completely flipped on its head. For most of us using the term that we go to the office, um, our technology level drops, right? We go from a world of, I, I can, I'm just looking at my, my Alexa, I can say, Alexa, what's the temperature, right? There's no coding involved, there's no programming. So the reason is saying, Alexa, how many toothbrushes have I sold today at XYZ or look at any SKU that I have. And the fact that I just can't get an immediate response, we should have access to that. So those were just a couple other thoughts I wanted to share. Interesting. Yes. And Brian, to your point, um, there there have been predictions of some on my other shows that software needs to become more consumerized, more people-centric, because we come to our jobs, whether we're at a home office, whether traveling, whether we're remote, whether we're in an office building, a site, a physical brick-and-mortar place. What's that? I don't know. I haven't been in an office in 10 years. Anyway, we want to bring the same knowledge and comfort level of the technology we use as real people to what we're doing for our paid work. I know that Pras has some comments and then Kang, you're after him. Pras, go ahead. Yeah, I have a quick prediction. I was thinking that we haven't really covered today. Um, I think John Milton had a quote as morning shows the day and uh, we might be in the morning or in the dawn of VR. You know, I think about the fact that, and I'm going to make a prediction that my friend, Brian Kalish, who's on this call, Brian, I love going to conferences and running into Brian and Birgit and getting together. Brian's always running conferences and meetings and roundtables. Brian is going to run a VR roundtable at some point this year. I predict that. That's my prediction right there because, uh, you know, I was given an Oculus headset just a couple of days ago and I was kind of like, oh, you know, what is this? You know, it do, is, do I, am I going to go through another roller coaster game running through Jurassic Park? But I put it on and I truly see the potential. I mean, we meet on Zoom, we meet on conferences, but Bonnie, there's a chance that and a year from now, you might be running, you know, LinkedIn Live and Zoom and also running this on uh a VR uh, of some sort where we'll all have avatars. Now, I know people, uh, you know, when I went back to that Milton quote as morning shows a day, when I talk, think about avatars, people are like, oh, I'm not going to create an avatar. But I look at kids. Kids are all about avatars, whether they're creating avatars in Roblox, in um, Fortnite or whatnot. So if that's the morning, we're all going to have avatars at some point. I mean, Nike just recently bought some sort of metaverse sneaker company. <clears throat> so it's heading in that direction. So there is a great chance that we are going to have VR meetings and, you know, we can touch, we can point to screens, we can, you know, interact a lot more closely rather than Zoom and whatnot. So that might be the next uh, breakout for all of us. Thank you very much. I already have an avatar. Somebody designed, it's actually a caricature that an agency designed for me when I started SAP Radio. And the SAP brand police told me we can't use anything like that. But I kept it for one of my own shows. I have a show on creativity called Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. And my avatar caricature is behind me on the banner of that show. So I kept her around. She's really cool. Thank you. Kang Lim, I have three minutes for you and then we're going to wrap up. So go ahead, Kang. What do you see? Right. So I was just going to kind of comment on the AI and the cybersecurity. I think, you know, so we all know that cybersecurity is not going to get, you know, it's not going to go away. It's going to, to some extent, become increasingly more important. I think more companies going to find it to be more challenging. I think part of the challenge of cybersecurity is, you know, too much of the so-called cybersecurity operation and procedures are handled by human beings. So I think a lot of that, you know, it can be automated with AI. So I think with the increased use of AI, you can remove a lot of human error. So, so as a result of that, you know, you also remove to some extent, you know, Emory talked about the threat surface expanding, right? So I think AI can, to some extent, automate a lot of that procedure as a result of that, actually reduce the threat surface. 
So I think we're going to see, you know, or, or more companies should apply AI to automate a lot of mundane cybersecurity procedures. And the result is you're going to have a more secure and less cybersecurity, you know, incidents and to, to some extent reduce your, you know, your so-called your threat surface, for example. And the other thing that's important to know is, you know, human need to operate AI. So, so you know, without human, without what I call it, without a natural intelligence, you know, artificial intelligence is not getting better. So, so, you know, even though AI is there, but AI will never take over what I call NI, the natural intelligence. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you all. Birgit, to talking about the thumbprint, uh, the iridology, the eye, you know, the identification to get in somewhere, the password of, of who we are, our physical being. Um, I, I just watched an episode of Leverage. I'm, I'm catching up to the last season before the new one. This is from several years ago. And you have to be careful, everybody here. If you go to a cocktail party, if you go to anything in person, holding a glass will leave a print of your fingers on the glass. <laughs> and if somebody comes and grabs that glass before the waiter removes it, they could use a film or some kind of a, a piece of paper to pick up that print and then use it to get into whatever security system where your million dollars worth of gold bricks, Brian Kalish, are being kept behind a door and your billion dollar painting you just bought a Picasso King and anything that Birgit and Pras and Simon have got that's behind some kind of a coded door, a barrier. So just be careful if you ever go to a physical event, don't leave your thumbprints and your fingerprints on a glass. I'm just sharing this. That's all. It has been delightful speaking. <laughs> Simon just wiped it. Thank you. I appreciate the illustration. There we go. Live and in person. It's Simon. Uh, Simon, thank you to your staff. We didn't get to see anybody, but if you want to have Ben, don't go away. Benedict, come on in, everybody. Quick. Quick, quick, quick. Say come, hello. Come, 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 come. come, come, come. We're almost out of time. Oh, hello, oh, Benedict. With, oh, thank you, Bonnie. Oh, Benedict, you're charming. Hello, everybody. Thank Simon's you guys. Thank It's you a whole so production. Much. I want to thank everybody. Thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer, my intrepid engineer. We've got one minute left. Aaron started working with me two years ago. He was 26. Now he's 63 because we worked very hard together. But he still looks like a kid. I want to say thank you to Ryan Treasure, the voice of the intro on this show. And I want all of my guests, please, Birgit, thank you. Thank you, Pras. Thank you. Looking forward to 22. Brian, King, Simon, Anne-Marie, Tiago, and Keon. I want you to all wag your finger now because we have a message. Come on, wag your finger. Simon, you can do this. Wag your finger, everybody. That's it. This is okay. If somebody comes to you and says the future was already here, count to three. You're going to say no, no, no. One, two, three. No, no, no. That was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet. We're all here to make it a so much better one. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Everybody wave. Don't go away, everyone. We'll be we'll be talking. Bye, LinkedIn. Bye, Facebook. Bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh